Hi, everybody. Hi. You are here with Dale Krupowitz, Chief Operating Officer and Partner at Personal Risk Management Solutions, and me, Celia Santana, President and CEO at Personal Risk Management Solutions. And we have two of our favorite staff members and colleagues here. We've got Lindsay Jordan, our Operations Manager, and Kelly McLeister, Vice President uh, at our company handling many of our clients' most important questions. You are here joining us on what, Dale? Worth the risk. Yes, worth the risk. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk to you about some live claim examples we've seen in our over 30 years experience uh, and some interesting things that hopefully can help you uh, as you navigate your insurance life. So the first thing we're gonna talk about is what happens when a storm rolls through your neighborhood and a tree falls on your house? Dale? Well, it's an interesting question. Clients ask us all the time, is there coverage? What do I do? Do I talk to my neighbor? Do I call my insurance company? So it, the answer in, in the insurance business is almost it depends every time. So it depends on the scenario. So let's take the first scenario, which yeah. would be like, your neighbor calls and says, hey, your tree just fell on my car. Okay, what do we do? Well, in that case, they would be going to their car insurance carrier because that's the insurance that is um, primary. It's not yeah. a situation where they'd go to their homeowner's policy, which it might do yeah. in another scenario. So what you would do is you would tell your neighbor, report it under your car insurance policy and that's how it would get settled. So most people, if they have a tree that falls on their neighbor's car, they feel responsible, right? And they feel bad, and they think their insurance should cover that. So what do we say to those people? Well, we say to them, it's an act of nature. It's really not their fault. It just is an accident freak accident and even though you might think they're responsible and you might think that they're responsible for paying they're really not and that's why they have car insurance for that kind of event happening so what about the neighbor's deductible because the neighbor's deductible is not going to cover that that's true and the only thing you could do is maybe ask your neighbor to be a good neighbor and cover it for you yeah i mean that exact thing happened to me we had a brand new car and this was for Hurricane Sandy, mm -hmm. and it was parked in our driveway, and the neighbor's tree fell smack dab in the middle of it and totaled it. Wow. Yeah, and during Sandy, I don't know if you remember, but there was so much devastation, we couldn't even, there were no you know, insurance adjusters available, uh, there were no towing companies available, there was no body shop, there was no gas. Yeah. So um, anyway, our neighbor felt really, really terrible, but you know, we went to our insurance, and it was considered a total loss. Yeah, that reminds me. You just remind me of another story. Remember that client who had just switched from a direct writer? So, you know, for yes. those of you who don't understand what direct writer is, it's, it's those mass insurance companies out there. You know, you, you know the names. But um, the carriers that we work with, the high-end carriers, they have a little bit better coverage. So in this scenario, this client had been with this direct writer, for many, many years, yes. was a little reluctant to move. There was some loyalty. Well, fast forward, hit, hit a tree fell on his car and yep. totaled it. Yep. And 
the difference in the claims experience for him was tremendous because he had the high-end carrier and they paid to total the car and because he had agreed value coverage, which means they're gonna pay you whatever the market value of the car is at that point, he was paid in full and um, there was no loss of, uh, there was no expense at all. I mean, especially since again, the deductible got waived because it was a total loss. Right, because with the high-end carriers, no deductible and no depreciation applies. Uh-huh. And that's where people get screwed because yes. cars depreciate every year. You drive it off the lot, they say it depreciates 25% just driving off the lot. Yes. So without excluding those two things, getting the stated value amount made a big difference. He was a very happy client. He very was so happy, happy that he switched to us and that we placed him with a high-end carrier. Right. Um, what are some? What are the high-end carriers that that typically you know we place our our clients uh, with? Chubb Insurance Company, AIG, Pure, uh, Cincinnati. Those are the ones that are at the top of the list. Right. Exactly. So let's say in that same scenario, the neighbor's tree falls, and it hits your fence. Mm-hmm. Then what happens? It hits your fence. Okay. Yes. So. You would go to your own insurance company because, again, it's considered an act of nature. They're not responsible. The only time they could be responsible uh-huh. is if they were told in the past that that tree had the danger of falling and didn't address it. Correct. So, you know, there are those rare scenarios where that happens. But in most cases, people don't even know their tree right. is in bad shape. And right it's going to come down the next time there's a storm. Right, because in that scenario, the difference is that they're liable because they've been negligent. Yes. And to be liable, you have to be negligent. If a storm comes out of no place and a tree falls and there's nothing you could have done about it, you didn't even know about it, unfortunately, it's not your responsibility if it hits your neighbor's house. But what what if a tree, your own tree, falls on your own house? Then what happens? Oh, then, then you go to your own insurance. So our carriers right. pay that uh, after the deductible, whatever right. your deductible might be, and they pay to um, both remove it. You have tree removal coverage, yep. and you have coverage for any damage that it caused to your property. So that's right. a, that's a easy one to settle. What if the tr- what if your own tree falls on your pool? Then what happens? Okay, well, you do have... Um, coverage also under other structures uh-huh. so the policy would pay for any damage caused to your pool right right now in some cases uh let's just say you have that same scenario where your tree falls on the neighbor's property they do have with the high-end carriers not all of them but should mention some what they call goodwill coverage and, uh-huh. if, and if you just want to keep like a good neighbor vibe with your neighbor you can offer to pay um for the damage that they incur under your policy right and we had a client in westchester that that happened to yes um someone a client of ours that's been with us a long time and what happened was their tree fell uh and it hit the neighbor's fence and the neighbor's car and their policy through our office paid $25,000 goodwill coverage to that neighbor. I mean, but that is really unusual. I mean, that's that's really a unique situation. They happen to have that coverage. Most of the time, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Most of the time, unfortunately, your neighbor has to go 
uh, out of pocket. Sometimes we have neighbors who they just feel so bad, they just write a check. Yeah. They say, you know, I just feel bad and I'm just going to write a check either for the deductible or for whatever because the neighbor doesn't want to put a claim on their policy for something that, you know, they had no, it's not, it, the tree isn't theirs. There's nothing they could have done about it. And now they're going to have a claim on their record. And that's why a lot of times between neighbors, it gets a little dicey. Yes. And then you have when our clients, unfortunately, uh, go through a windstorm or a bad storm and the tree just falls in their yard, right? So everybody's like, oh, okay, I have insurance for this. Well, you have to remember, if it doesn't hit something, the coverage is a bit more limited. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, people don't like that because typically during storms, people feel like it's a storm. I have insurance for disasters, right? And so now I have coverage. I had a client who he had like 15 trees down on his property. And what was the tree removal coverage if it doesn't hit anything, oh, like $1,000? Yeah, th it's averages about $1,000 with the carriers that we work with. So. Right, and so these were this was a pretty ex extensive property in Connecticut, and he had a lot of trees, and it was really expensive to get them out of there. And unfortunately, since they didn't hit anything, uh, you know, the coverage was very limited. And the thing is, you can, again, with our high-end carriers, buy some landscape coverage, but the cost is very high. So right. what the clients start weighing, is it worth it? And right. in a lot of cases, they don't want to spend that extra money for something that might or might not happen. So, you know, that's one of the things with insurance. You have to weigh, is it worth the risk? So when, when do I buy the insurance and when don't I? Right, right. So if you're thinking about a storm coming through your property and impacting your property, what are some of the other coverages that a client should be thinking about? Um, well, if it's from a storm, then it's the limited coverage. But if, if it's from like a lightning, lightning strike, mm -hmm. then that is covered or fire. Right. Those are both covered. Right. So from a storm standpoint, what you should be thinking about, you should keep your trees trimmed and make sure that if they're old, they come down and you prevent the loss from happening at all. Right. I, I have a tree person come to my house every year and look at my trees because I have one tree in particular that overhangs on the neighbor's property. And I, I really am concerned about that. So I have a tree person come every year and take a look. But what about one of the things a lot of times that people have questions about is there's a really bad storm and water gets inside their house from outside. Oh, boy. Are you opening up a can of worms, Celia? <laughs> I mean, is it worth the risk, Dale? <laughs> is it worth the dang risk? Is it worth the risk? <laughs> I mean, that you get into the whole, is it flood? Is it water damage? Right. And, you know, we, we can talk about that. I mean, basically, a homeowner's policy does not cover for flood, period. Right. You have to buy a flood policy. And flood is genuinely um, defined as an overflow of surface water. Right. So if that's the scenario that happens. So, for example, in Hurricane Katrina, you had all these people whose homes were flooded, and you had people on TV saying, I paid my insurance premiums on time every year for 20 years. I've never had a claim and now there's water in my house, and it's not covered. And guess what? It's not covered because it's flood, and you have to buy flood separately. And most people don't know that. They don't know you have to have a separate policy 
for that to be covered. And that's water coming from outside your house into your house. Right. That's what is flood. Right. And there are lots of different ways it happens. It can be rapid snowmelt. Uh, it could be like the client we had who uh, was impacted in California after the wildfires. Mm -hmm. And then there were heavy rains. Uh, and that caused a mud flow. Right. Mud flow is also considered flood. Right. Um, but basically, water that comes into your house from outside, it is not covered. We had one in Ida where a client had a drain outside his basement door, mm -hmm. and the drain backed up, and the flood waters basically rose so high that they burst open the glass doors and caused a complete flood in his basement. He was lucky because he had a wine cellar and the wine cellar had like a lip in the floor and so the water didn't get in there. But, you know, that's considered flood coverage and that is not unfortunately covered. And then, let's just say somebody like that buys flood insurance. If you don't have the broader flood coverage and you're just getting it through FEMA, items in the basement coverage is very limited. Exactly, exactly. So. So there are two different ways to buy flood coverage. One is through FEMA, which is the standard flood policy. Right. And the other is the policies that we sell through the high-end carriers. That's correct. And through the high-end carriers, they offer expanded coverages, right? Yeah. And it makes a difference because if you have a finished basement, like you know, yes. I think you had this happen to you. That absolutely did happen to me. So if your basement floods and you have that really nice, you know, wreck area, Yep. Um, if you have FEMA, you're out of luck. They're exactly only paying right. for machinery right? And, and the basic studs. Right. Nothing more than that. Exactly right. And then if it's a secondary home, it's actual cash value coverage. Correct. They only cover replacement costs if it's your primary residence. Yeah. So if you have a beach house and you have flood insurance and something happens you're getting paid actual cash value. And we've actually seen that uh, in some scenarios. We've yeah. seen that happen. So if you have a really nice couch, right, and it's five, six years old, you're not going to get much money for that at all. Right, because that's depreciation. Yeah. That's depreciation. Yep, absolutely. So and you have to have coverage for other structures on your property. So right. if you buy a flood policy, it doesn't only cover... I'm, I'm sorry, it only covers your main home. Each policy, and again, it depends, is coming in again, um, if you're with the high-end carrier, because you can buy flood coverage that will extend to other structures. But right. every scenario is different. So the best thing that we could advise is that ask your broker questions. Right, right. I mean, 90% of the time... If you have a flood in an other structure at your house, if you don't have a separate policy for it, it is not going to be covered. And we had a client that had that exact situation. He had a flood that impacted his pool house, uh, and he had flood coverage, but he did not have flood coverage on the pool house. Well, guess what? It wasn't covered. Uh, yeah, and they, they are not happy to hear that, but, you know, yeah. it's important that th they are educated and know this ahead of time, and that's why we always have the conversation with our clients, because the last thing we want to happen is them to say, oh, I didn't know. Exactly. 
So Exactly. And that's what happens a lot of times in a storm is it's after the damage, after the claim, that's when people realize uh, what coverage it is that they have and they don't have. Yeah. And that's, that's not why the time to find out. Exactly. That's why it's important to understand flood is not covered unless you purchase it separately. Yeah. Uh, and we see that all the time. We see a lot of times people have a drain outside their house, like the example I just gave. It's not covered if it backs up. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we see people have pipes outside their house mm-hmm. uh, that lead to the sewers. Oh, yeah. And if something happens, again, that's a separate coverage that you have to buy. That's not covered. It's not covered on 90% of homeowners policies. Would I know. You say, would you so agree with that, Dale? Yes, I, I would. And a lot of times these clients call up and say, oh, my town is trying to sell me sewer drain coverage. Sometimes it makes sense to purchase it. Absolutely. I absolutely agree. Absolutely. I have that coverage. I have that coverage because I live in an old house and we see it happen around here all the time. It happened to my brother. The outside pipes had a problem that's not covered. And that insurance typically is provided by uh, the water uh, companies for very, I think we pay like $100 yeah. uh, a year for it. It's extremely cheap. Yeah. So getting back to getting back to the pipes, um, if you have pipes that are inside your house uh-huh. and a pipe inside your house uh, bursts, is that yes, flood, Yes, that's Dale? a different scenario. Flood? It's not flood. Right. It's what we call water damage. Right. And that, that is paid by the insurance carrier. Now, the replacement of a bad pipe wouldn't be covered, the pipe itself, mm-hmm. but any of what we call ensuing damage. Right. So if that broken pipe then causes a, a leak in your ceiling, um, any damage that you have to uh, pay to repair it is covered by the homeowner's policy. Now, there, there are some policies that have uh, water damage limits. Yes. And there, there are. are some policies that have um, uh, that have a water damage deductible. Mm-hmm. So you have to be careful if you have a pipe burst, you might not have coverage. You have to make sure you have that coverage on your policy. The companies we work with all generally cover that, although there are some states where water damage deductible does apply, but we have a client, um, that very thing just happened. So he was at home, and this is a client that had been with a direct rider for 30 years, had never had a claim. He went out for a swim, he came back, and he had uh, a painting above the sink that fell and cracked the faucet, and the faucet leaked all over his house. Crazy. So basically, uh, it spewed all over. So the cabinets above, the cabinets below, the floors, all of that, all of that had to be replaced, all of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that's a scenario... That just happened. I would. I've never had that scenario, right? <laughs> I've never had that scenario. Well, we see everything in this business. We absolutely do. I mean, what about um, what about if the water comes in through your roof? Then what happens? Okay. Well, if it comes in through the roof, again, if the roof is, uh, let's say, old, yeah. right, and it's determined that it's just a matter of wear and tear, the replacement of the roof most likely will not be covered. I mean, it, it, it all depends on the circumstances at the time of the claim. The insurance company is going to do a little bit of a investigation, but generally speaking, the roof repair itself would not be covered. Now, 
if it's a situation where a storm came and took the shingles out and it's not a wear and tear situation, then the roof is going to be repaired under the homeowner's policy. In addition to that, any damages that happen inside the home are also going to be covered. Right. So how does an insurance company determine what the cause of loss is, right? They, they have an engineer. Yep. They have these forensic engineers that yep. come. And this can happen after a storm. We had, after Hurricane Ida, we had tons of forensic engineers. And basically, their job is to determine how did that water get into your house? Mm-hmm. And is that something that's covered? And so we had one, uh, we had one client who had a backup of an internal drain inside his house in a bad storm. And the forensic engineer determined that it was inside the house and that was covered. Mm-hmm. And that was a client that did not have flood insurance. Right. But when it's the roof, like you said, if for whatever reason there's wear and tear, uh, then that's a problem because that's not covered. Uh, generally speaking, anything that is uh, happens that's a claim due to wear and tear is not right. covered. Or gradual, gradual right. loss. Exactly, mm-hmm. gradual loss, something that you just, you know, you didn't take care of it properly. Uh, and so, you know, roofs can be really problematic because you can't see it because you're not up there. Uh, yeah. And that's why you have to show that you have, you know, regular maintenance. What if you have a situation like a client we had who uh, noticed they had mold in their closet and it turned out it had been coming from the roof over the course of an extended period of time? How, how, would, it, how would that be uh, treated in the event of a claim? Yeah, again, since it's happening over an extended period of time, that's not going to be covered. It's not, it's not just one event, like a water damage, like a, like we're talking about burst pipes. Right. If a pipe burst and then mold forms, then it's covered. But if it's been happening just gradually over time, it, it all depends. Um, most likely it's not going to be covered. So you're saying mold is covered? Well, mold, it, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Right. So <laughs> mold coverage is like flood coverage. Yeah. You don't buy yeah. it, you don't have it. Yeah. Right? So most, uh, most companies have a small mold limit on the policy. Yes. Right? Yes. And basically that's the maximum they're going to pay if you have a loss that, uh, where mold forms. Mm-hmm. But again, in that case, if it's gradual over time, that would not be covered. So right. The one, the one worst mold situation I ever saw was a client who had a beach house and they had an exterior spigot. And I guess they didn't turn it off properly for the season and it burst Mm. and nobody was at the house and the entire interior of the home was covered in mold. Wow. And it was a, it was considered a, a complete loss. There was no way to remediate it because it was so extensive. Now, if they had a policy with a direct writer, they could be in trouble because you're Absolutely. not getting that extra mold coverage that the high-end carriers offer. That's exactly right. Although you do have to purchase it, right? Yes, you it do is have an to pur- additional purchase coverage. it. So, so we talked a lot about flood and we talked a lot about pipe burst. But what happens if your neighbor's toilet leaks? in your apartment, then what? Oh, boy. (laughs) Well, uh, being that we see a lot of Manhattan apartments, and this happens all the time, um, you have to basically go to your own insurance because you can try to go to the neighbor 
but you know you have to convince them that they're they're the ones responsible and in the end if it's just a uh a leak that they had no idea yep. it would just happen yep. then they really aren't responsible right so what are examples when a neighbor causes water damage to you uh what are examples of where they're not liable and their insurance is not going to respond um, okay, let's, I just had one of these actually uh -huh. last week. Uh, the, uh, I think it was the top floor of a apartment in Manhattan. They had this leak and it went down all the way to the basement. It mm -hmm. went through like seven apartments. Mm -hmm. Now in that case, if they didn't do anything, if it's the building, right? So there's so many different bylaws and rules, but basically all of these buildings wash their hands of this cover. They right. say, you know, let the unit owners handle it. Right. So in that situation, we're telling our client, just go under your own policy because right. you're going to get paid faster. You're going to get paid more to your satisfaction because they're going to pay replacement costs. And right. they're going to pay, let's say the damage is so bad that you have to move out. Right. Then you get into a different aspect of the policy, which is additional living expense. Correct. So. Or loss of use. And that would not be covered by your neighbor's policy, even if the neighbor was negligent. That's correct. Um, you know, we, we see that see this all the time. We had a client who, uh, he has a roof. He has a, an apartment that spans several floors, and the roof leaked into his bedroom. Oh. Remember that? Yeah, I do. And so they were very concerned, and they wanted to replace the roof. Well, that was not covered, mm -hmm. right, because it was determined it was wear and tear. Yes. And that's where it gets dicey between what is the building's responsibility, what's your responsibility, what's your neighbor's responsibility, and it gets very complicated. I had a client, again, this was a new client to me, and he, his apartment shared a wall with the, with the building next door, mm -hmm. and that wall burst open due to a pipe in the other building and caused significant damage. I mean, uh, over a million dollars in damage right. to our client's apartment. Um, and so basically in a situation like that, you know, we, the insurance company, after they paid our client, now they're gonna go after the building and try to recoup from the building or the apartment itself where this originated. But it's very hard to prove negligence, right? And, and it all comes back to our overall theme of worth the risk, right? It's like, yeah, you could rely on somebody else's insurance, but why? Why right. take the risk? If right. you know you've purchased the, the right coverage, right. you don't have to worry about that. Right. So are you willing to take a risk and say, oh, my, my neighbor's going to take care of it? It's not worth it. I totally agree with you. It's not worth it. And also, you don't realize that when you are placing a claim on somebody else's policy, you are not the client. You're a third party. They could care oh, yeah, less you're no who you're you nobody are. to them. Right. You're <laughs> nothing. They are not interested in client satisfaction because you're not their client. Nope. And that's one of the things a lot of times we start with a client to say, oh, no, I want to do that. I don't want it to be on my record. I don't want to have that on my record. And it's like, okay, it, yeah. but it's going to take forever. You're going to be miserable. And when, when you're dealing with water, there's a lot you have to do right away. You have to get a remediation company in right away, right? Yes. They set up fans. They set up dehumidifiers. They have moisture sensors so they could tell exactly how far the water penetrated. Mm -hmm. I had one where the client thought the floor would be fine, and 
they might have been able to sand and refinish the floor, but there was a subfloor mm. that was impacted that it had to go. And so you just never know what's behind the walls. Is there insulation? If the insulation is wet, that's got to come out. That cannot be fixed. And if you rely on another company, let's just say, oh, well, it's not a rush for them. It's not a priority. And maybe when the loss happened, it wasn't so bad. But by the time they get to the apartment, it's right. warped. Yep. And now you have more damage than you needed to have, all because you're waiting and relying on somebody else's insurance. Yeah, and that's why with our clients, unless we think it's going to be simple, which it never is, we always say, go through your own company. Let the insurance companies duke it out afterwards. Let them figure out who's responsible and how to split it up. Most insurance companies have what they call a, sub, uh, a subrogation department. And their whole job is to figure out you know, who's responsible and how to go after uh, the correct party. Uh, and so one of the things that we do when we, have, uh, when we have these situations is we are the client's advocate, right? In the event of a claim. That's right. They call us. We help them set all these things up. We help them get the remediation company there. We help them get the adjusters there quickly because that's what you want is speed matters. Every second matters when you right. had a pipe right. burst. And we can't determine coverage, but we can certainly be of assistance to our clients in you know making sure the claim moves along smoothly. Correct. And everybody is you know happy with the process. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things that I've learned being in this business as long as I have is that a lot of times uh, a claim occurs and, you know, everybody is waiting around and it turns out the insurance company is waiting for the client and the client's waiting for the insurance company. They're not talking to each other. Exactly. <laughs> and when we get involved, you know, we can help all that go easily. It's yes. like, hey, where's your, the estimate? You've got to put the estimate yes. together. Or if the insurer owes the client something we can make sure that all the red tape, all the bureaucratic process of filing a claim and having a claim settled, we can make sure that everybody's on point with where things are supposed to be. And I think it's important in our office, we go out and see it, you know? We go see the damage for our clients. We know exactly what's there. So we, you know, we're not exaggerating if we say, hey, it's a mess. Yeah, I mean, I think, we try to do that. Um, there are times when we can't. Maybe there's a storm and they're not allowing access right. to a specific area. Right. Or maybe it's one of our clients. I mean, we're writing business in 50 states and abroad. Right. Right. We had one in Italy. Oh, um, yeah. Hey, let's take a trip to Italy. I'm happy to address that. <laughs> yeah, thing. so we didn't go <laughs> see that one. Unfortunately, <laughs> I think we would have loved to. Um, but we try to go whenever we can. And sometimes it's easier. Right. Uh, and other times we can't, right. but we're certainly... Um, always advocating. Involved. Always advocating. Yeah, we're always advocating. Um, I mean, we had one. I had a client in Colorado who basically a relatively new house and a pipe burst. It caused over $50,000 worth of damage. Oh. Um, and, you know, we were still able to work with the client's contractor, get the remediation company out there, you know, get somebody access to the house. Because let's face it, if you have more than one house, you know, somebody's got to be there to let the adjuster in to get the stuff uh, accomplished that needs to be accomplished. Um, so anyway, that's another thing I would say for us that makes a difference is that we're, we're pushing, we're advocating all the time. Yeah. Well, 
as we can see from this conversation, I mean, there's just, you could go on and on about, well, what, what if, what if that, what if this? So I guess, you know, it always comes down to, you know, be educated, know what you're willing to take a risk on because some clients are just a little bit more risk tolerant than others. So, but as long as you're the one, the client is the one making that choice, then we can feel good knowing that we've done our job and they could feel good knowing that they had an important part in the decision. I agree, Dale. I think the most important thing is do not wait till you have a claim to find out what coverage you have. You have to uh, make sure that somebody helps you evaluate the coverage that you have and make sure you have the proper, the proper coverage before a claim occurs. And then you can determine if it's worth the risk, right? That's to buy it. flood, to buy mold, to buy earthquake, to buy all those coverages that aren't automatically included, then you're in the driver's seat. And with a broker like us, uh, it makes a lot of sense. Yes. Okay, guys. Thank this you for joining us today. This was a real pleasure talking to you about this today, and I'm sure we'll have some more conversations to come. Bye. <laughs>